the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Athletic.com slash Spot Track, S P O T R A C. And grab 40% off that first year subscription. Download the app, personalize it, tell them who you like, who you don't like, and get exclusive ad free content at your fingertips. That's theathletic.com slash Spot Track. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Thursday. Big NFL show, as you might imagine, preseason kind of officially kicked in this this evening. I won't be watching. <laughs> Just like I've been ignoring the training camp discussions on Twitter like the plague. And uh, it's just a personal thing that I do. I think it's decent content for the uh, the avid fan. It's just not for me. There's no substance to it. So I'm, uh, I'm kind of limping into this NFL season as I always do and really just diving into the data. So that's what's happening today. Um, I'm going to open with some of the holdout situations. I'm going to close with what's next. And that's not so much the next two weeks, the next four weeks, the next couple of months. A lot of this, this discussion, basically what I've done here is I've gone sport by sport in a big old Google Doc and created a roster of who I believe, positionally speaking, is in line for the next mega contract. Um, so today I'll, I'll deal with the NFL from quarterbacks to punt to kickers all the way down the list here. Just a, a couple of no-brainers, a couple of maybe people you aren't, you aren't on your radar few of them aren't even extension eligible until December or January. So there's a, I think this is how I generally look at the start of an NFL season, which is, all right, deep breath. We got through free agency. The, the rosters are all but set at this point, contractually speaking. And if anything, they're going to be cutting back now, right? August 16th is the first cut down. It goes, uh, I believe, 85, then 80, then down to the 53. The 55-man rule is in effect, so they'll be adding two game day spots every week. And the practice squads are signed, I believe, September, August 31st, around there. So we've got a little bit more addition along with the subtraction over the next couple of weeks. But for the most part, I'm looking ahead right now with all these sports, baseball as well, as they wind down towards their postseason. Um, So that's what today is going to be. Like I said, there's a couple of holding situations that I'm going to discuss in terms of the next few weeks and how that may shake down. But then for the crux of this and really the next couple of shows, I'm going to bounce around to who's going to be next. Who are we talking about here? I mean, some, some names have been mentioned throughout these various sports, but for the most part, I'm going to dive deep, not only into the upcoming free agents, but some of these extension candidates, you know, rookie extensions, guys who have huge cap hits next year that are, are certainly restructured extension con- you know, candidates. But that's the uh, that's the plan for today. I think it's where the right place for us to be living right now from a from a financial data standpoint. Because, like I said, a lot of these numbers have been set. So let's just enjoy the uh, the on field action and start thinking about twenty twenty three. All right, Kareem Hunt and the Browns. It's kind of refreshing to talk about somebody else in the Browns, honestly. So uh, good on him for creating this drama. I get it. I get it, and I don't get it. You know, I've been on a, a few uh, speaking engagements this week discussing the Kareem Hunt situation, and I hate to be crushing these running backs consistently. And I've been doing it for five years, unfortunately, because it's just I'm just reading the numbers. It's all I'm doing. But a 27 year old guy who's making 6.25 million this year, 1.5 million of already has already been paid out in terms of a roster bonus. Um. There's not much legs there. I, I understand what he's looking for. He's looking for multi-year stability. And he's probably looking for more playing time, Kareem Hunt. 
And I understand that too. He is the, the sidekick to Nick Chubb. And by the way, that's not going to change because Nick Chubb is upper echelon. And Nick Chubb at 12 and a half, whatever heck he's making per year over the next few years here, really only one more guaranteed. That's a, that's a heck of a deal. You know, that's a heck of a value deal for what the Browns are going to need him for. And that's, that's the conversation I have right now. It's need. If Kareem Hunt was not needed as much as he is going to be needed in a Deshaun watson list system, they would have gotten the draft pick from him already and saved themselves $4.5 million of cash to a second running back. That's my belief. Because, by the way, Dearness Johnson, they brought back on basically a minimum contract, and he's shown he can do this. And they drafted somebody who is lighting up training camp. So I don't think in any normal situation the Cleveland Browns would have said no, but they had to say no right now. They had to say no to the draft pick they would have acquired and to saving some cash and moving Kareem Hunt. They're going to say no to the contract extension. They're going to say no to the trade right now. What they may do is give him a little bit, right? Maybe we can restructure this thing a little bit toss you some extra per game or toss, build in some, some incentives. Um, you know, guarantee some of those per, per game bonuses right now. There's only $200,000 worth of them per game. So it's up to $3.4 million. I mean, they built this contract based on his off-field issues. Perfectly understandable. So do you turn around and guarantee some of that, right? Yeah, that's, a, that's a, probably a good faith effort here. Instead of making him show up and be healthy for, you know, 3.5 million of this salary. Reduce that, guarantee it, build in some incentives, give him reason to think he's going to play a lot of football and earn his, his ability to get to the open market. Look, he's going to be 28 when he hits that open market next year. We all know what happens. That's the, that's a scary age for a running back hitting the market. So I applaud the request, the demand. I also applaud Cleveland saying, ah, can't do it. We can't do it. We're in a situation that we got ourselves into, by the way. And uh, we're going to have to run the hell out of the ball here with Jacoby Brissett. So I, it's a, it's a no-win situation, I think, for either. But I do think there's some sort of restructure, some sort of incentiv- incentivization, and some additional guarantees built into this that can make him happy before the 2023 offseason gets here. What's he worth? He's 27. I can't even say that out loud anymore. If I tell you his market value is over seven, that's fine. Nobody's paying him that, all right? Leonard Fournat got seven million. He's a true and tried RB1 right now. And he got seven to rejoin Tampa Bay. He was looking for 10. Every team in the league had a chance to sign him. Nobody did. Nobody gave him the contract he wanted that outweighed coming back to Tampa Bay at seven. He's always at seven again. Basically two for 14. It's just, it's just what's happening right now to the 27 plus running back. So, you know, 6.25 million for 27 year old Kareem Hunt, who is a second option is excellent money. And I can't argue that. And I get, I get why he is, but he can't argue it either. So like I said, restructure things a little bit, make it easier for him to make that money right out of the gate. And then, uh, obviously, we'll see what happens next year. But it's, uh, it's another Cleveland Browns drama. 
rolling into September here. But I think this one's going to at least settle itself out. Roquan Smith, off-ball linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Very different situation, right? Young kid, good player, not a prominently paid position. Good, you know, still well-paid. There's still some outliers that do very well in this situation. But he's on what could be the worst team in football. And by the way, they're basically saying that out loud, <laughs> right? <laughs> I saw a phenomenal quote in trying to avoid the training camp stuff where one of the coaches just basically said, yeah, the offensive line isn't exactly where we want it to be, which wasn't, these guys are out of shape. It was, yeah, these aren't the guys. <laughs> and we, by the way, we knew that. We knew it last year. They changed it up a little bit this year and we still know it this year. So the fact that they're saying it out loud is fantastic and terrifying for Justin Fields. But um, look, There was a bit of an, a holdout situation with Robert Quinn. I have to imagine that trade request is coming back. They already traded Khalil Mack. They've moved on from, from quite a few pieces. There's some wide receivers already dealing with issues in camp. It's just a, it's an ugly season. And I think we all anticipated it was going to be ugly, but it's gotten worse <laughs> as the summer has progressed here. So this one I completely understand. It sounds like offers were made. So the, the Browns certainly value this player to some degree, but the offers were heavily backloaded, heavily traditional, right? Old school five-year extensions with two years of fluff built into it. And this is not going to work for a couple of reasons. A, they're paying nobody else right now. None. They shed so much cash and cap over the past 18 months that you look at this, the table right now and you think to yourself, man, this is either a team that's tanking or a team that is just very smart with their, with their funds. It's certainly not the latter. Um, they're not in a position to pay this kind of player. So I'm not even blaming them for making a crappy offer, crappily structured offer. But if you want this guy, and he basically said this out loud, if you want this guy and you think he's part of the process, you give him a short, almost fully guaranteed deal to say, look, I know things are tough here, but we're going to give you one of the best deals we can give you right now for your position. That's what you do to keep this guy. You don't offer the traditional Jerry Jones five-year backloaded deal, which is what happened here. So, by the way, new front office, new GM, new coaching staff, new all that, terrible look to make this your first major contract offer. Terrible look. Everybody knows it. It's public. The first major contract offer you made under this new regime in Chicago not only got rejected, but got publicly you know, thrown out there under our faces saying, this is the garbage they offered me. I want out. Not great. And that, by the way, the optics matter for free agency, for guys that are coming in and want to maybe help you out financially speaking with a little bit of structure discount. Just looks so bad. This was a terrible look. You, you would have been better off giving David Montgomery a four-year extension, two years fully guaranteed as your first move. Nobody would have argued because it's the conversation we're having with Cleveland, right? Justin Fields is in a major learning, pro, you know, learning window with a terrible offensive line. You already saw how good Montgomery can be, even with a terrible offensive line. So why not just build the offense through him for two and a half years and play the Derrick Henry game? I, it would have been the right decision, in my opinion. I'd come in, I'd evaluate the roster. Hey, this Mooney kid, I think he's got something. Let's see what he can do with Fields one more year. You know, Cole Komet's kind of coming into his own, blah, blah, blah. I, I agreed with the Mac trade. I thought that was a solid first move from a transactional standpoint. I would have backed it up with a keeping our own 
slam dunk, which is David Montgomery. And I know, don't pay the running back. This team can pay the running back because there's just no one else. Allen Robinson jumped ship, right? There's just nobody else. So this is the perfect scenario to pay the running back. I would have done it. I would have been one of my first moves out there, make it look good. Hey, you know, we're here. We're, we evaluated some things. This is a guy we want around for at least two more years, and we're going to run the offense through him and take some pressure off of Justin Fields. That didn't happen. Still hasn't happened. Could be Montgomery doesn't want to sign that contract. Could be they're offering him $4 million a year instead of, you know, the eight or nine that he belongs in. But that would have been my first move. So the Roquan Smith situation was a terrible first target. Um, I believe he'll find a, they'll find a trade partner for him. Will they find somebody who'll pay him $17 million? I don't know. You know, maybe this guy hits free agency in, in two years here, and he goes to the C.J. Mosley situation, which, by the way, could be just fine. We've seen that work out quite a bit. And when I go into this next contract series here, the, the off-ball linebackers that I'm valuing are all in the 14 to $18 million range. So it's not like that price is dropping. It's just kind of leveling off here a little bit. And that's probably going to be the case for a few of these positions. So the Bears aren't ready to pay him properly unless it's some sort of good faith, high, high guarantee offer, which it certainly wasn't. So get another trade asset, get this guy out the door, get him to a team that values this kind of player and is in the right window to value this kind of player. And uh, we'll see what happens next. And the last one, I got to bring up the Garoppolo situation again. Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback in the 49ers, kind of, right? <laughs> Who's got a floating in space right now throughout this camp process, and rightfully so. A, if he gets injured, his $7.5 million injury guarantee kicks back in. So that's not happening. Um, obviously, they prefer to trade him, even though releasing him at any point in time is extremely easy and extremely cost-saving. So it's going to happen eventually, except for what they're waiting out, right? They're basically saying, come sit on the exercise bike, do your thing, toss some balls, keep yourself in good shape, make, your, you know, make sure you're, you're ready to jump ship whenever possible. But they're looking for an injury here. And by the way, maybe their own. So they're protecting themselves from that as well. But, you know, I know, I know a lot of starting quarterbacks are not going to play um, the next four, you know, two weeks of preseason and things like that. It's just not going to happen. We've already heard quite a few say, I'm not even going to touch the field. But we know how this works. There's always something fluky that happens. And by the way, it could just be a backup quarterback. It could just be a backup quarterback. If there's one of these contenders that loses their backup in, this, in the next couple of weeks here, and you want to acquire Jimmy Garoppolo, take him on, restructure that whatever into three years for $24 million, something along those lines, a high-paid backup quarterback, it's possible. I still think it gets to the outright release. And the 49ers don't have to do this until September 9th. His, his salary does not fully guarantee until September 10th week one. So there's loads of time. There's an entire month here before the Garoppolo decision has to kind of, you know, forge itself out. I still think there's a chance he stays as the backup on a restructured contract, because to me, there's value in that. And Treyland stuff sounds like it's improving, but has it improved enough to keep them in contention for the division? I don't know. And I'm not saying Garoppolo is better than Trey Lance. I don't think I'll ever say that, but there's just too much known and it doesn't appear that the relationship is fractured, even though it's awkward as hell. So, you know, what shakes down with Darnold and Baker Mayfield, that could be another situation where somebody's moving. But they're waiting on an injury, unfortunately. And that's morbid to say, but 
something's going to go down somewhere. Could be a backup, could be a starter, could be fluky, could be could have happened in a preseason game. But they're hoping that they can get some value for this. The problem is this: Jimmy Garoppolo's traded salary is twenty five point six million, and like I said, roster cuts start happening in five days. There's not a lot of teams that have that kind of cap space. So in order to acquire this guy, let's say, you know, let's say Joe Burrow goes down. Knock on wood, please don't happen. You know, the Bengals only have 14 plus of top 51 cap space right now. They can't even acquire that contract without moving some things around, you know. Maybe, ex- you know, extending Jesse Bates and restructuring that into a five-year or you know, four-void-year situation. Um, every team outside of Cleveland, and I don't think that's going to happen, but look, that could, be a, that could be a destination here. Basically, every other team would have to maneuver their cap just to acquire Jimmy Garoppolo. I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. Make him release him, sign him at a minimum, or sign him at, you know, $5 million incentivized backup quarterback role, and, uh, and go from there. It's, it stinks for Garoppolo that that can't happen now, and that this waiting game has to pursue. But, and oh, by the way, it stinks for 49ers players. Some of them who are looking for a contract, Nick Bosa. Because this is $26.95 million of salary cap that shouldn't be on that table if they don't want this quarterback around. It's one of the uglier things of business that guys like this have to get dragged out for the waiting game. But that's where we are. That's what this is. Something will happen. I don't think that that happening is automatically going to mean they're going to acquire Jimmy Garoppolo because I don't believe there's four teams out there saying, all right, we're ready to give up the pick whenever they're ready. I just don't think that's happening. Something's going to have to be forced and it's going to have to be a very specific thing that happens, right? Like I meant, Burrow goes down, but the Bengals don't want to wash the seat because of the value that exists. That's a, that's a candidate. Maybe Cleveland sees Jacoby Brissett over the next week or so and says, man, this is really bad. Maybe Kareem Hunt says, I'm really never playing for you, (laughs) right? Maybe Garoppolo is an upgrade at that point, possible. Certainly if the Deshaun Watson stuff turns into a year, that could change things as well. So I think there are some small trade options out there. They're certainly not half the league, but I still think this gets to an outright release. And like I said, they have until September 10th. To outright release him without those guarantees kicking in. All right, smooth segue into our next NFL contract roster per spot track. <laughs> and uh, I hate that I have to do this, but obviously we're going to start with the quarterback position and knock on wood again because I hope this guy doesn't hit, doesn't get injured. But Joe Burrow's the guy. And I know this should be Justin Herbert. I think a lot of people are going to say it's Justin Herbert. And by the way, the math says it's Justin Herbert in terms of the next massive contract. And some of you are looking at me saying, What's, what about Lamar? Lamar's going to get his contract. Lamar might get his contract in the next month. If I had to guess, there's a week one deadline right now. Nobody's saying that out loud. Um, I'm just going to assume that whatever offers on the table right now are offers, somebody's going to bend enough to get this thing done. And if it's Baltimore going fully guaranteed, so be it. But I think that's closer than, we, than is being reported right now. And by the way, it's been a little bit underreported lately because of training camp, which is a perfect candidate to, to sneak up us, right? Maybe a, a Friday news dump tomorrow 
this thing sneaks in 45 or 48 million fully guaranteed over the next four years, something like that. You know, a steroid version of Dak Prescott. So he's off this list for me right now. And it's Burrow. And it's Burrow because of where that team, I think, should be after this season. And I know the Chargers are kind of the darling of that AFC right now. A lot of people are picking them because of the odds, because of the stack division. You can kind of parlay them into a situation that really vaults them to the top of the list, past Kansas City, past the Raiders, things like that. I, I look at Cleveland's debacle, which I believe it will be if Jacoby Brissett is the long-term quarterback here. What could be a modified offense in Baltimore, because I just don't think they, can pa- they, they have the pass catchers to keep up right now. And they're really going to have to be creative. Can they do that for 17 weeks? And all of that said, and why not Cincinnati? Cincinnati has everything offensively, everything. They have revamped that offensive line again to, to be deeper now. Joe Burrow's a year in in terms of his experience and his on-field visibility. And the Burrow Chase stuff is not going away. <laughs> it, it, it was immediate because of the college. And it's not going away. That, that only has to be improving. And now what can be a little bit more evolved offense. Mixon can still do his thing. Certainly T. Higgins is a factor, a major factor, maybe the best WR2 in football. This is the guy in the te- on the team, in the offense, that should be consistently cooking for the next four to five years. And that, to me, is going to mean Cincinnati can't hold back one iota. And I joked about it on Twitter this week that, you know, the Paycor naming rights situation taking over for Paul Brown Stadium is basically them saying, yeah, we get it. We see the, we see the, the trees ahead of us here. This is going to be $175 million put into escrow next March when he becomes extension eligible. And that's how this works, by the way. Anything guaranteed at signing has to go into an account. And the second that that actually vests, goes right to Joe Burrow. You know how this works. So Cincinnati appears to be lining up their ducks because they know that, that it's coming. And by the way, it'll be Jamar Chase 12 months after that. So yes, Herbert should, should follow this exact plan because the Herbert weapons are great. They did shore up the offensive line. But they're in a Peter division right now. They're just in a nut division. and. I think he's going to have his ups and ups and downs. It's not going to look as smooth. He's never going to look as smooth as I think Joe Burrow is. And all of that matters. The, the, the poise, the moxie. They're both going to be $45 million quarterbacks, even though you know one is 42 and one is 43 mathematically in our system right now. I mean, they're both going to be surpassing what we just saw this past offseason. Will they ramp up to 50? Yeah, maybe. If Aaron Rodgers' number is now you know not a not just a short-term veteran thing. Somebody's going to eclipse that on a rookie extension. And why not Burrow? If Burrow looks like, and that offense looks like what we just saw, which surprised the hell out of us, if it starts to become comfortable for us, that's just going to have to be a $50 million contract. So he's there because, not just because of the Super Bowl situation, but because of the framework of that entire team and how they're all going to kind of mature together and be paid together so why not start with Joe Burrow? You cannot, I, I mentioned the optic situation in Chicago. You cannot screw this up. And I went back and forth with Bengals fans about the Dalton contract and the Carson Palmer contract. And yes, 
all of you pushing back saying they were one of the top average paid contracts in football. You're absolutely right. And you know what else they were? They had a, they had a year and a half of guarantee on them. That ain't going to fly. <laughs> okay. Kyler Murray just got six years of practical guarantees. Six. And he's Kyler Murray, not Joe Burrow. So you're in for the strongest, biggest, most guaranteed contract in the history of your franchise. Obviously, but I mean, in this case, especially because of how the Bengals have structured their guarantees, even the ones right now, the DJ readers, the Trey Hendrickson's, go look at the actual strength of those guarantees. They're weak. They're simple. Joe Mixon's contract is a, was a one-year deal when he signed it from a guaranteed perspective. That's just not going to fly with this. All right? So Cincinnati really has to ramp up how they structure this contract because it's going to be Burrow first, then it's going to be Higgins, then it's going to be Chase. And you're going to have to continue to do this if you want to keep this core together and you better because you were bad for so long to get to this point. And, and you got so damn lucky to align yourself with these kind of players, these actual names. Don't screw it up. And offering a Brocon Smith type contract to Joe Burrow would be screwing it up. So, so while I think Herbert is going to get everything and more, I'm putting Burrow at the top of this list as the next quarterback contract. Running backs. Obviously a tough situation. I mentioned Dearness Johnson with Cleveland. He's an honorable mention guy here, and I'm going to post this, uh, this piece on spotchart.com in the next couple of hours as well to facilitate this. He's an honorable mention guy because of the Kareem Hunt situation. If Kareem Hunt falls off this roster next year, as we now assume he will, they're going to have to resign a player like Johnson, in my opinion, to what could be a $2.5 to $4 million contract as the WR2, or excuse me, as the RB2, and run with Nick Chubb and Johnson and be perfectly fine. So he, he makes this list on the tail end. The two names I have ahead of him are Tony Pollard, which should be an obvious because I believe Dallas will fall away from Zeke Elliott after this year and get off that god-awful contract. Pollard is a $6 million guy right now. But if he takes the lion's share of these carries, and I would put A.J. Dillon right in the same conversation, if, he, if you can see and smell that he is taking the job away, literally this year, and he's, certainly there were signs last year but with both those players, from Aaron Jones and from Zeke, that's only going to raise the value. Can they, can they become $10 million players? No, I, I don't believe so. Yes, the cap is going up. You know, yes, I just mentioned the Fournette $7 million and things like that. Can they get themselves into eight, 8 or $9 million if they're catching balls and really facilitate? Yes. I don't think either of those guys have that kind of versatile game to get themselves into that conversation. But for now, those two guys are 6 to $7 million running backs, especially leading into 2023 with an RB1 situation ahead of them. And then honorable mention, Damian Harris, New England. Uh, I know he fumbled. He got in the doghouse. He had a great year. And he, he is versatile. And I believe his, he's their next version of James White. They gave James White a 4 to $5 million contract three times over and over. Isn't that just going to be what Damian Harris is now? A cap-adjusted version of that? I believe so, as long as he can hold on to the ball and stay in good graces. But he's, uh, he's an expiring contract as well. Wide receiver, we've done quite a few shows on him. It's obviously Justin Jefferson who becomes eligible next, next January. I, I know the $30 million mark that Tyreek Hill hit, kind of fakely, is, uh, is where everybody assumes this is going. But mathematically, and because of his age and where he is in his career, he's a $26 million guy for me, which puts him 
past AJ Brown's recent extension, which is kind of like the high bar for the rookie extension wide receiver. So Justin Jefferson is literally going to reset that market, mathematically speaking. Now, if he has a ridiculous year, as Cousin Dan thinks he will, again, and Kirk Cousins and him really kind of lock in, it's obviously off the table. He can get whatever the hell he wants because he's not going anywhere and he's the guy. So mathematically speaking, he's, he's pushed past A.J. Brown, which is really all that matters in terms of valuing those, those players together connectively. CeeDee Lamb's going to have a big year, most likely with Dak. He's a 16 million guy right now. That's going to become 22, 23 very quickly if he, if he progresses. And then I mentioned T. Higgins, who's already an $18 million wide receiver, and he's not the best option on his team. So you're getting yourself into, you know, uh, kind of the Rams situation where there's multiple high-paid wide receivers. Not too many teams are willing to do this, though. Will the Bengals be one of them? Or are they going to let T. Higgins get to a point where he's a franchise tag candidate, right? Tampa Bay's been able to do this now with Godwin and Mike Evans, but we haven't seen how that's worked out. T. Higgins becomes extension eligible January, but there's essentially one more year then. They could ride him out through 2023 and try to stagger this thing with Jamar Chase's extension at some point in time. I think it gets done, but you're talking about an 18 to $20 million wide receiver and then a 25 to $27 million wide receiver in back-to-back offseason. That's what Cincinnati's head, and oh, by the way, a $50 million quarterback. So <laughs> that's what the Bengals are staring at now over the next couple of offseasons. Tight ends. Uh, Buffalo's Dawson Knox, I believe he has the biggest chance to progress even more in that Bills offense. He's a $12.5 million tight end right now, and he, had a re- he really stumbled out of the gate. And remember, we take a two-year evaluation here. So if you take the one-year scope, just 2021, he's up there. He's into the 14s and the 15s. And if he, if he becomes Josh Allen's right-hand man, which I believe he could be this, uh, this year, you're talking about you know, the Mark Andrews, the Dallas Goddard, getting well into the 15s and 16s. Um, and I'd say the same thing with TJ Hawkinson, although the Jared Goff situation is going to deflate him just a bit. And I'm not sure that I'm not sure the Lions are in love with paying a tight end right now. They've fixed a lot. They have to continue to fix from the trenches out, right? Inward out. And paying, even though they drafted this guy high, remember this this is not the organization that drafted this guy, but he has really shown through. So I believe he's an extension candidate. I think he's a franchise tag candidate first. So probably not an immediate extension, but we'll get there. Darren Waller has to have something done immediately to reflect his value to that roster. I assume it's going to happen. I've mentioned this before. He's a $14 million tight end right now. That's not what his contract says currently. Hopefully that gets resolved in the next couple of weeks. Offensive tackles, here's your names. And they're all about 15 to $20 million in somewhere in there. None of these guys, I think, should reset Trent Williams or Bakhtiari or anybody, but they're going to be that second tier for very different reasons, right? I mentioned Elgin Jenkins last week. He's now injured, but looks like he's going to be the starting left tackle for Green Bay when he gets healthy because Bakhtiari just isn't back in form yet. Andrew Thomas is the starting left tackle for the Giants. He and Daniel Jones have to have a big year together, but he's a young, good left tackle. He's already a $16 million valuation, comes extension eligible after this season. And then Donovan Smith, Tom Brady's left tackle. He just needs a DJ Humphreys type re-up. Humphreys just got three for 55, I think, somewhere in that boat. Um, three for 60 for Donovan Smith, just to tack on a couple of guarantees, keep him around, whether it's Brady or not. You know, that offense is going to be in really good shape, no matter who's playing the quarterback position in 2023. 
but don't want to screw around with the left tackle, in my opinion. Guards, Quentin Nelson, I mentioned it. I, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. Uh, maybe they're trying to go the franchise franchise tag route with this and kind of slow play this specific situation. He's a $17 million guard, <laughs> mathematically. So, you know, 18, 19 if they're, if they're pushing the envelope. Centers, fun. Because there are three centers here. Andre James, Vegas, Matt Hennessy, Atlanta, Lloyd Cushenberry, Denver. These valuations are so weird. And I know it's tough to put math to a center, but we did it. (laughs) Um, We've seen some players like uh, Bradley Bozeman, who left Baltimore for Carolina. And he's a player I had at at almost a $10 million valuation as a starting center because he he has guard versatility. And he signed like a $2 million contract. We've seen this happen quite a bit. It's, a, it's kind of a rogue situation to be an interior lineman coming from a weird situation, going to a, maybe a, a worse situation for money. We've also seen players like you know Frank Ragnow and some of these bigger guys cash in $14 million. So, so where the hell is this position is kind of what I'm saying out loud. The Raiders have paid everybody, and they paid their offensive line well. So I'm putting Andre James in like a $12 million valuation right now because I just think they're going to keep that train rolling. If he can continue to play well, he's a top 20 PFF guy, things like that. Matt Hennessy was a top five PFF guy. And Atlanta should be focusing on their offensive line because they're figuring out the quarterback situation on the fly here, possibly with the guy they drafted now, possibly with the guy they'll draft next year. So no reason they shouldn't keep a center around a top five PFF center, but he's only a $10 million valuation because it's been so inconsistent. Obviously the quarterback play has been bad. So again, it could be 10, could be 14, it could be three. And I'm just telling you out loud, these things get crazy. Defensive tackle is a little bit different conversation. That is a position that I thought was going to be deflated because obviously as the running game deflated with these run-stopping players get deflated. And those obviously have. If you're a, a one-trick pony and your job is to plug up the middle of the field, not, not so much rush, but be more of a plug, your salary has flatlined. But if you can get to that quarterback, and if you can be an inside-outside kind of guy, right, the Chris Jones of the world, the Aaron Donalds, obviously, they have brought some players with them. I think that that position has evolved on the field and with it has come bigger price tags. So if we're talking Jeffrey Simmons, you know, he's not going to get Aaron Donald's 30 million. But mathematically now, he's a $23.5 million defensive tackle, defensive lineman. So does that mean 25 when you're sitting down with an agent? It might. It might. And, and that's where things are going. Chris Jones needs to be re in Kansas City. I'm not sure if they'll do it. They, they have been now uh, back-to-back off-seasons. They've kind of trimmed some fat on the defensive side from a financial standpoint. Frank Clark's going to fall off after this year, probably. But he's a $22 million guy still, Chris Jones. And then Christian Wilkins, who may be in the best situation of anybody here because Miami loaded up and is certainly going to be better. And will he, you know, will he improve right along with that defense that now around him looks phenomenal? So if he's a $16 million guy now, is he upwards of 20? It's, it's a similar situation to Jeffrey Simmons. Is he a $20 million player by the end of the season? Probably. So three guys right there who could really uh, cash in big over the next 12 months. Edge defenders. It's sort of flatlined. You know, TJ Watt got his, got his coin. Joey Bosa certainly. 
but we're seeing these contracts wait. Like, for instance, Nick Bosa is, is my pick here. And a lot of people will say, yeah, he's waiting for Jimmy Garoppolo to get off the roster. That's probably right from a front-loaded contract perspective. But he also had his injuries kind of annually. And if I tell you mathematically, he's not even a $20 million edge rusher, you're going to say, well, that's, that's wrong. And it's wrong. He's going to make 25. His brother's making 27. So we know where this is headed. But they didn't rush to extend him right out of the gate. Green Bay didn't rush to extend Rashawn Gary, who's a $20 million player, probably upwards of 23. And Mark Stavenport has been taken all the way to the finish line in New Orleans. And he's a $24 million player. And he's versatile as hell. So we are going to see some massive edge, edge defender contracts. But there's a chance that there's some movement on this, on this position in terms of some trades, some big-time trades. You know, what happens with Bradley Chubb here? There's a lot of names. And I think there's a lot of names that could be, we, we're not going to be the team to do this. So we're going to trade. We're going to move on. We're going to let free agency or franchise tags do their jobs. I just think that the, the rush to pay these types of players has calmed down quite a bit over the past three years. And it might have to do with the rise of those versatile defensive tackles, right? The interior stuff. So it just seems like there is a bit of a, a seesaw situation happening there. I mentioned the off-ball guys, Roquan Smith's about 17 to 18 million. Tremaine Edmonds in Buffalo doesn't seem like he'll get his contract there, but if he hits the open market, 13, 14. And then Jordan Brooks is the name to watch in Seattle. He's, uh, he's been lighting it up. He's only going to get better on what isn't going to be the best team right in the NFL. But if he's a 12 coming out of the gate, he's going to be a 15 to 16 very, very quickly. So uh, good news for that pipeline for sure. Cornerback is weird. Most of them got paid. It was a really big two years of cornerback contracts. AJ Terrell in Atlanta is the guy right now, and he's a 20 million plus contract according to our system. But is Atlanta ready to do that? If they don't have things figured out, if they're still going to be one of the bad, the, the worst teams in football, do you still sign this player? I say yes. I say yes. You want to sign the you know pass defenders and, and offensive linemen? Let's do it all day. Derwin James should have a contract by week one. I mean, he's basically holding in, if not holding out. But to get that contract, he obviously wants to go Minka Fitzpatrick, Jamal Adams, 18, 19 million. I don't know that we're getting there. He has had his injuries. He's a $16 million player because of that in our system. He should get Jamal Adams. Let's put it that way. And by the way, Antoine Winfield Jr. in Tampa Bay, he's coming. And so is Imani Hooker. Super underrated players. These are all $16 million safeties in our system right now, which means 18 to 20 negotiable. Um, so the, the safety stuff is good. And these guys are staying on the field longer. And, and, and that, I, I think it's an undervalued position along with the tight end quite a bit. And finally, your special teamers. I promised you I was going to give you kickers. We just had two big kicker contracts, in fact, right? We had Chris Boswell. Three, actually. Justin Tucker, Chris, Chris Boswell, Jake Bailey. So you got to love it. The special teamers, the punters, and the kickers. Matt Gay's a $5 million kicker, which is going to be up there with the, the Tucker deal and the Boswell deal. He's with the Rams. They're going to value that. Are they going to say they don't kick well enough to, put, to pay a player that much? Maybe. I think they just pay him, personally. I think he was extremely consistent, especially on the PATs, which they're going to need a lot of. So, to me, he's the next big guy here. 
Greg Joseph in Minnesota has been frustrating with PATs, but he can kick the hell out of a 50-yarder. So in that division, I think it's going to be more and more important to keep those kind of players around. But is he a $4.5 million guy? Sure. Just get it done. Just get it done. If you're trying to win that division, and Cousin Dan certainly thinks they can, get it done. And then my return guy is Deontay Hardy, who used to be Deontay Harris. He's with New Orleans. He's on a tender. You know, he's a nine to ten million dollar player because of what he can do, which is run the ball, catch the ball, return the ball, everything. I mean, he's Cordero Patterson, he's a little Debo. He's all those things in one. So there's a ton of value here. And I realize the kicking game, the return game may be diminishing more and more, especially with the next set rules. But uh, this guy is just an everywhere fan. Put a, put him in any down, in any situation, and he's gonna get something done. So I, I do think he'll be that next uh Russell Gage type contract, which was about three for 30. And uh, it may not be in New Orleans because they don't appear to be valuing him properly. So he may be jumping ship in free agency next year and finding a team that is looking for that gadget type offensive player and value him at about 10 million. All right. I'll post this in a few hours. Feel free to uh, lambaste it as necessary. And I'm looking forward to the next iteration of this, which is Major League Baseball. Okay, straight, same, same thing, straight down. Starting pitchers to closers to DHs all the way through. And uh, potential free agents currently signed but need new contract, extendable candidates, all the works. And then Scott Allen and Keith Smith are putting together an MBA version of this. Many of these guys we've talked about quite a bit. Some of these guys we haven't talked about at all. So uh, I think this is a good way to kind of, you know, round out some of the offseason stuff, especially with the NBA and, and the NFL and get people thinking about new names for during the season coming for next off season, that the contract stuff is going to be at the forefront of the conversation. My thanks to the athletic visit the athletic.com slash spot track, get yourself 40% off that first year and download that app for exclusive ad free content for Scott Allen. My name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the spot track podcast.